The call on the ice stands. We got to go. Okay, fellas, we are set to go. Let's roll, boys. Come on, let's get going. We are kicking. Here we go. Oh, guys, five minutes each for fighting. Watch the blue. Play the puck. Run to it. After further review, it's the Scouting the Refs podcast. Yeah, baby. Here's your hosts, Todd Lewis and Josh Smith. Okay, gentlemen, play ball. Let's go. All right, guys, let's drop the puck. Josh, Groundhog Day has taken place. And in terms of hockey, what does that mean? Um, six more weeks until the next suspension or discipline? <laughs> I forget how that works. If, if the Groundhog sees his shadow and, and there's blood on it, then he's uh, he's getting tossed from the game. But then I'm it's not a sure. double minor. And, <laughs> right. Okay. Something to that effect. I knew there was a relationship yes. in some way, shape, or form. So. Good. This is the Scouting the Rest podcast. Please make sure you follow us on the social channels. You get Josh with all his great interpretations and stats on X and on Instagram at Scouting the Rest. You get me on X and Instagram at Todd Lewis Sports. Coming up on this week's episode, two NHL suspensions, the first PWHL suspension. A couple of players get fined. All-stars are announced. Best and worst, according to the players. And how about a visit from our old friend, goalie interference? Ah, yes, it comes back again. Let's let's recognize all-stars, though, first of all. National Hockey League selected referees and linespersons for the 2024 game. Frederick Lecouillet, Francis Charon will be the referees. Trent Knorr, Brandon Garlitz will be the linespersons. Congratulations. A, a strong honor. Yeah, absolutely. Congrats to them. It is an honor. It's first time any of these four have worked in all-star games. So nice to be recognized. Nice to get the extra time in. Be fun to see that, you know, not only are they working the games, but they're taking part in the skills competition. Their families are there. So a great experience, a great honor for these quartet of officials. I suspect they get paid for this as well. I don't know that it's as much as a playoff round, but I suspect there's a little stipend thrown their way. You know, the uh, the NHLOA CBA does specify working games, and I, I wonder if the All-Star game counts in the games being worked because they do specifically call out game counts and they call out playoff games. They don't, if I recall, have, uh, have anything in there specifically about the All-Star game. But, you know, worst case... It's an all expense paid trip. You get to hang out. I mean, look, we've had what three, four penalties at the most called in an all star game. So you're not really working that hard. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. Okay, that's not heavy lifting there. The Athletic did their annual anonymous player poll. And also, we were pleased to see that they included the list of who's the best and who's the worst referee. So I guess it's really no surprise that Wes McCauley was at the top of the best of in terms of referee. What I found interesting was that he was ranked so highly as one of the worst referees. <laughs> he is undoubtedly the most recognizable, the most memorable referee. And I think that helps and hurts him here because the guys know who he is. If you look at the comments and go on The Athletic, read it. If you're not a subscriber, they always have great content, a big fan of their work and, and tons of amazing writers over there. But if you want to read the comments from the players, it's really funny because there are some where they, they call guys out or they talk about Macaulay or Sutherland, who was ranked second as being great communicators and things like that. But then there's the comments of, I don't know who they are. I don't know who any of these guys are. I can't name these guys. So I think maybe not having the guys know who you are might help you dodge getting a, a worst referee call. <laughs> Trying to go through a career in the NHL anonymously is pretty yeah. tough, though. <laughs> Hey, I, you, know, I, you know what? It's a, it's a lot easier that the names on the backs, they have the numbers. I know the coaches try to keep the officials names and numbers there. And, and of course, 
the officials appreciate it when players do know their names and, and can talk to them by, by names and not just, Hey ref or Hey liney or things like that. So I, I appreciate the guys that make an effort to know them, but if I'm an official and, and, and you're asking me or you're asking players who the worst referee is, maybe I don't want you to think of my name at that time. Fair enough. That's, that's, yeah, you want to be anonymous in that. I, 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 to your point though, of communication being the key, Kelly Sutherland among those cited for having communication. And in terms of the comments from the players focused on not getting respect or arrogant or kind of being closed off to conversation. So it's, it just goes to the theme that we've talked about communication, transparency. It goes an awful long way here. The league could learn something. It does. And, and not only that, Todd, but I have learned that NHL players really hold a grudge and, and, and maybe they need a little clarification. They named a few lines persons in their referees, but my favorite is that Don Koharski got a vote for worst <laughs> referee. The, the poor guy has been retired for 15 years and he's making the list as one of the league's worst refs. Wow. Let it go. It's time to <laughs> let it's time to let it go. Okay. We we had the warm and fuzzy reunion in Montreal with Patrick Waugh, who returned to uh Montreal as the coach of the New York Islanders. It kind of took a nasty turn, though, midway through the third period as Brendan Gallagher of the Canadiens came flying across the ice, stuck his elbow out and into the chin of New York Islanders, Adam Pellick. Gallagher, understandably, gets tossed. That's an easy one. Everybody waits for the announcement from the Department of Player Safety that there's going to be a hearing. Uh, probably could have been issued before the end of the game, but many thought it was going to be an in-person hearing it wasn't, and the suspension handed down from George Peros was five games. Now, you can be surprised at this if you want, but I think this is a clear indication that the, the players, the owners, the Department of Player Safety, the league, they don't want big suspensions for players. They don't want them out of the game for that long. It's it's a tough balance, right? You want your, your top players in there. You want your star players on the ice. You don't want guys missing time. At the same time, you want to be concerned with player safety. You want to protect the guys that are out there. So there's there's definitely a balance. Um, I, I thought it could be more. I thought we were looking at an in-person hearing. When it was a phone hearing, knowing that that would cap the suspension at five games, I was hoping that that's where the league was headed. And I think five games is reasonable. It's an intentional shot. He's putting his elbow, his shoulder up. He's targeting the head on the play. Uh, that five-game threshold, interestingly, is below the external arbitrator appeal so if gallagher wants to complain he can only go to bettman for it if they go six games or higher then you can look at the outside arbitrator and it's a whole deal so maybe that's part of it that the the league is really trying to say we want to increase the severity but we're going to cap it because we don't want gallagher off the ice but we need to send a message i'm glad todd i'll be honest that there are times when I thought this hit might have been in prior seasons. Maybe we look at two or three games. I'm glad it was five. So maybe I shouldn't be complaining that at least it was a five-game suspension for what looked like a very dangerous, intentional headshot. The, this was not a hockey play. This was a, a deliberate uh, headshot. And, and you're right, but I, I think that a couple of key points, and we've touched on this with previous suspensions that have been appealed. The only appeal in this one is to the commissioner, He's not going to reduce it. So it, it was likely to slide through and, and be served. But I think this is telegraphing that there are going to be discussions about how this kind of discipline is implemented in the future once those dreaded CBA negotiations start. For sure. And I, and I think you, you hit it earlier that 
the players association wants their guys on the ice. The players want to be on the ice. The players don't want to be forfeiting salary as a result of a suspension. So yeah, it's in their best interest to fight for shorter suspensions, to fight for lower fines. I mean, everybody laughs at the maximum fine of $5,000. The Players Association fought for that, and they and they demanded it. So we can't increase fines just because we want to. It's, it's in their contract. And I think you see it from that side of how it benefits them, but man, it still amazes me that the Players Association doesn't want to stick up for the, the guys on the receiving end of these hits a little bit more. You know, Adam Pellick's still collecting his salary, sure, but... How long is he going to be out? How long is he injured? Is this a career-ending injury? Th those types of things would make me think that uh, that might be in the Players Association's best interest, too. But no, it, it really seems to be keeping the guys on the ice. The other suspension came to New York Rangers defenseman Jacob Truba. He's been known to get people's attention with his elbows and the like. It was Vegas forward Pavel Vorobiev who caught the elbow of Truba, who was not penalized on the play, did get a call for a hearing, and subsequently got sat down for two games. At, at, at first blush on this one, I think from this angle, I didn't think it looked that bad, but when you see some of the other angles, yeah, there's a pretty good swipe with the elbow at Verobia. Yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting play. Everybody missed it, right? We didn't see the hit during the game. There was no penalty call during the game. It didn't even seem like that big of a deal. You see him leave the ice, but... There's no question Truba's getting his elbow up. Is he doing it because he's trying to gain body position or to position himself to play the puck? The league didn't think so, so he, he's gone for two games. I mean, look, it's there's definitely contact with the elbow in the head. Trying to find motivation or trying to explain what he was trying to do is the tricky part, and that's what player safety is tasked with. That That's what they review on this play, and that's what uh, makes this probably a, a more of a controversial ruling just because it's hard to say is he moving his stick and it really doesn't look like it the, the elbow's coming across it's one of those as you've said before todd it's an accidentally on purpose play right you know I'm, I'm trying to force my way in i'm gonna pick my elbow up and maybe i'll clip you in the shoulder maybe i'll send a message but it happened to contact the head so it's a two-game suspension and for all the hits that have angered hockey fans for all the years and all of truba's heavy hard high hits this is the one that gets him two games. <laughs> Nobody even saw it when it happened, and he sits for two. So it's it's not a direct comparison, but take the two suspensions. Is the Gallagher hit worth three more games than Truba? Uh, I don't know. It's probably worth five or ten more, if you ask me. Yeah, I, I think this is... It's closer contact. It's not as obviously intentional. It's definitely not as severe as headhunting a guy as you're coming perpendicular to him on the ice. So uh, Gallagher was picking the head. I think Truba's just trying to swing his arm and go for contact. So from an intent standpoint and from an injury standpoint, you don't know how the outcome's going to be, right? A head injury concussion can happen on either of these plays. But I think Gallagher's is far more dangerous to the player on the receiving end. And I think it was punished appropriately. I know that's where we run into all those those challenges, Todd, is, you know, mm -hmm. what's a three-game suspension? Why is this much more than that? And why is an intentional cross-check not penalized more harshly than a, a questionable elbow? Those kinds of things. Uh, definitely. These are questions that we continue to ask. Okay, let's let's get to perhaps the strangest one of the week that <laughs> involved uh, Tyler Myers and Ian Cole of the Vancouver Canucks in uh, in, in their pursuit of, uh, of Sean Corrali into the corner. Um, Cole gets given a, a major penalty for the hit on Sean Corrality, which, which means that the, the officials can review it. And what they find is something very interesting. 
is that it's not Ian Cole who inflicts the punishment, but rather it is Tyler Myers with the flying elbow. So they change the penalty to Tyler Myers. So my first question is, can the officials do this, Josh? I wasn't aware of this. No, they can't do this. This is not... (laughs) It's it's not permitted via video review, but that's that was the sticking point for me, Todd. We saw there was an initial call on the play, right? So the, the, the officials are watching this. They see what's clearly a boarding penalty, and then they see a guy who's injured. So you're looking at a, a possible major penalty call. But where I got caught up in reviewing it and is what the original call was. When it was announced by referee Michael Markovic, he announces it as a major penalty being reviewed. It doesn't specify which player it's coming to. And and the part that I thought was most critical is what's happening right here. The referees are permitted to discuss the play. And linesman Mark Shuchek was up high in the zone. He had as good of a look at the play as the referee did. So they're discussing it before they go to review. And that's something that the officials have the ability to do. Outside of the review process, they can talk about the play. They can change the call on the ice. We've seen it happen before where the officials huddle. They discuss it. The linesman might have seen something better than the referee. The linesman does have the ability to report major penalties to the referee. So there's a discussion that happens. So you see the penalty initially. It's a major penalty call. It's possible that they actually change the call before they go to review. And Shuchek... Again, I, w- I wish we had clarification from the league on this, but Shuchek yeah. could be saying at this point, hey, the major penalty looks right, but that that hit wasn't what caused the injury. The hit actually came, and uh, it, was the, it was the elbow from Myers that caused the injury in the play. So you have two different things happening. To your original question, though, Todd, the referees, once they do go to video review, have the ability to review the major penalty, and they can either confirm the call, they can reduce it to a minor, or they can eliminate the call completely they don't have the ability to change the penalty to a different player Uh, they can change the infraction that's that's not as big of a deal but they can't call a different penalty that happened at the same time so for this to have happened the way it was or the way it did the only way that this happens under the nhl rule book the only way that it's legal for them to make this change is that linesman mark shuchek right here is the guy who said you know what Cole hit him from behind, and that was boarding, but the injury happened from the elbow. I have this as a major for elbowing. Let's go take a look. All right. And and I don't want to get too deep into the weeds uh, about it, because in in the end, the correct call was made, in that you know, Myers was uh, subsequently fined $5,000 for the, the elbow as well. We've seen occasionally a player get called for a penalty and then get pulled out of the box because there, there was no infraction committed. So I'm right. not... So again, let's just give the referees the tools that they need to make these calls properly. If it's not addressed, then let's address it in the rule book. Yeah. And, and that's a great point, Todd. So you know, where do we want to go with the rules? Are we okay with, Hey, look, there's a major penalty. The guy was injured on the play. Maybe we do consider giving the officials carte blanche to say this guy gets up bloody. This guy's injured. Let's take a look at the play and figure out what the call is. I, I I don't know that there's that many situations that it would make reviewing plays much worse right now. The standard is there has to be a major penalty called on the ice. And with the officials, with the referees calling it, with the linesmen watching for it, I think that's probably a good standard. But it almost feels like, uh, would we really not be okay with having them take a look at this play and going, you know what, it was a major penalty. I would be able to reduce it. But you know what, we got the wrong guy. Let's get the right guy in the box. 
is that such a bad thing to use review of a major penalty ju to just make the call right, even if it does mean it's a different penalty to a different player for a different infraction? Is or, I mean, why why wouldn't we be okay with that? Right. It's it, it it's all about getting the call right, then that's the method to to get the call right in this in this particular case. So, uh, there there was another fine issued as well as the one to uh, Tyler Myers, Arizona Coyotes defenseman Michael Kesselring, fine just over twenty four hundred dollars for cross checking Tampa Bay defenseman Maxwell Crozier. Certainly got his money's worth out of this because <laughs> he was gives the initial cross check and then a bigger cross check and well then all hell breaks loose in front of the Tampa goal. Yeah. The, 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 fine was bad uh worse for Kesselring was the uh the receiving end of the the punches that he was taking here like we had a pretty good scrap that came out of this whole thing but um I, I think to me when you look at the play here I don't know Todd I, I would like to see a suspension for this kind of a situation I I really look at what is an intentional cross check it's after the whistle it's after the play stopped because of a goal mm -hmm. you've got a cross check to a guy up high and then another one down on the ice to the the upper back, maybe the neck area. And I, I don't understand why this is not as bad as some of the hits we've seen suspendable. Uh, Truba, for example. Yeah, Truba's plays awful. It's an elbow up high. I get that. It's also part of playing hockey. It's going for body position. I'm not saying he shouldn't be suspended, but I'm saying this one, away from any type of actual hockey play, is more intentional. There's no question here what's going on. I actually would have liked to see one or two game suspension for this one simply because there is nothing there's not even an argument that you're making a play on the puck or that you were body positioning after the face-off that that's what the battle was this is an intentional cross check with no purpose other than to injure the guy so to me this this should have been a suspension uh, I'd be okay with that, but that is going to mean increasing other suspensions, I think. And again, yep. I think that's the appetite is where we're we're at with this one. We we had one other suspension, and maybe we're going to have to make this a, a, a regular segment or feature. Hopefully not, but the Professional Women's Hockey League issued their first suspension in league history against Boston forward Taylor Winkowski for an illegal hit on Ottawa's Amanda Boulier. Um, Boston's game against Ottawa, that's uh, Winkowski hitting Boulier up high in the neutral zone uh, just moments after the Ottawa defender moves the puck. One game suspension may not sound harsh, but their season is much shorter than the NHL season, so it equates to maybe a three or possibly even a four game suspension. Yeah, and I think that's the right call. I mean, even... In a hitting league like the NHL, you're looking at a, probably one or two games for this one easy just because it's it's a she picked the head here. And if you see the entire play, I mean, afterwards, she just check on her. I, I think it, it really wasn't intentional. It wasn't something she was going for. It's just the, the heads down and it, it the onus is on her to deliver a clean hit. Now we're talking PWHL. So. The hit itself may not have even been legal on this play. Body contact is permitted, but these types of open ice hits where you're you're hitting through the core and you're trying to do this, that's not going to be permitted. So, I, I mean, this is a penalty either way, even without the headshot in the PWHL. There is body contact, but not necessarily these types of hits. She's not making a play on the puck. She's not battling for positioning to, to try to retain the puck or prevent the opponent from moving. So uh, a penalty in the PWHL for sure, and I think a suspension in any league. So the right call.
All right, so that's the first suspension. We'll see if there are any others as the year moves along. Okay, let's go to the always easy to understand topic of goaltender <laughs> interference. Uh, Maple Leafs and Winnipeg Jets, the goalie interference play. Tyler Bertuzzi scores the goal. William Nylander is in the crease and has some contact with Winnipeg Jets goaltender Connor Hellebuck. Now, as we're watching the play, it looks like Nylander gets pushed by Dylan DeMello into the crease and touches the goaltender. So if the player is pushed in by a defender, doesn't that negate the call? Well, it didn't in this case. The goal was not allowed. And as you can imagine, much discussion has ensued. Where do you land on this one, Josh? Oh, you know what? I'll be honest, Todd. I I thought that this was a good goal. Uh, there's clear contact from DeMello. He's pushing him into the goaltender. So seeing the play live, seeing it immediately after, I, I figured this was going to stand. So a little surprising that it doesn't. The only thing I can see that the NHL situation room would be considering is that Nylander's path took him into the blue paint. It was right at the top, but he did enter into the crease on his own before DeMello shoves him. He's cutting through. He's, he's establishing a position at the top of the crease. Does he really make a concerted effort to get out? And he doesn't, right? He gets shoved in and he just kind of stands there, which, I mean, he's entitled to his space. But part of the rule around goaltender interference when it comes to incidental contact is, does the player make an attempt to avoid contact? I don't think he does. Uh, if I'm making this ruling, I think DeMello's shove is enough to say that that's what got Nylander in there. And, and this is incidental contact. This should be a good goal. But that, Todd, is the only thing I can see player safety looking as right there after the shove takes place. Does he vacate the crease? He doesn't. He stays there. And, and that's what I think they made their ruling on. I would love it if the situation room would tell us exactly which part of the rule they were using to let this goal uh, be wiped out because saying there was goaltender interference on the play is great, but was it, was it the shove here? Was it that Nylander didn't vacate? Was it something else? I don't know. It looked good to me. I'll, I'll, I'll stand by the fact that this goal, nine times out of ten, I, I think it, it counts because of the shove from DeMello. And guys, you got to stop pushing players into your own goalie. But hey, when it works to get the goal wiped out, I mean, maybe that's why de that's why they do it. That's why DeMello did it. Is is this part of the defensive technique now? <laughs> is that if you push the player in? And like, I guess the question, the way I look at it too, is without the shove from DeMello, is this a good goal? And it's, it's yes, 100% of the time, it seems to me, because otherwise, if he, if he doesn't get shoved, he's not in the crease. If he doesn't get shoved, you know, he's positioned at the top of the crease. He's allowed to be where he is. He's not impairing Hellebuck's ability to play his position. So if you look at where he is just prior to the shove, it's a good goal. Um, and, and that, to me, is why the shove makes the difference. The shove is what impacts the play here. So after the shove... Maybe they felt he really needed to move or he, he needed to try harder. I mean, it looks like he's losing his balance. He's trying to keep his body upright. He's actually trying not to move forward. His, his upper body moves forward because he's trying to keep his skates back to avoid going in the crease any further. So I, I thought Nylander was trying to stay upright and avoid contact, but wasn't enough for the situation room. They, they ruled this one as no goal. Yeah. So again, a, a little bit of clarification would help. It, it would help us understand. It would help fans. It would help players understand as well. Uh, I, I think this is something that we're, we're eventually going to get. So in a way, wouldn't that be more video review? <laughs> well, you know what? We're reviewing it anyway, right? The Situation Room spending time with it. Why not share the review with us? And I mean, 
look, if they want to give the actual conversation between the situation room and the, and the officials, I mean, sure, edit what you need to trim it up, but say, here was the discussion that led to this goal. How amazing would that be? I mean, look, I'm, Love happy, that. I'm happy with a prepared video like player safety does, but look, we've got, they've got the mics. They're, they're communicating electronically. We're already recording all this stuff. Why not just chop up that video? I'll take an edited version. That's fine. Let's put the discussion between the officials in the situation room out there and say, this is why the goal was disallowed. And how much would Sheldon Keefe or, or even Nylander appreciate saying like, look, you got shoved in. We know that. Let's stop arguing that you didn't try to vacate the crease. And that's why it was disallowed. Then he knows for next time, instead of just going, the guy pushed me in, what am I supposed to do? Let's explain what nuance of rule 69 came into play here. Why did it go the way it did? But boy, having a, an insight into the conversation between the situation room and the officials would probably be the easiest way to go. Here's I'll, I'll go a step further then. Yeah. We don't need the whole conversation. We don't need a whole produced thing after the ruling is made on the broadcast. The situation room says it was called no goal because of this. Just give give us a line, just but but do it on the broadcast so that everybody understands. Hey, I, I'm going to keep building on what you're doing here, Todd. I love it, but let's not leave it up to the officials to convey it. Right, the call is coming from the situation yes. room. The situation room in Toronto is handling the final ruling on goaltender interference. They're handling the final decision on offside. And they have an officiating manager, a retired NHL referee, who is working in that room every night to weigh in on the decisions that are being made. Let's throw the camera on him. Let's have Bill McCreary or, or Don Koharski. Well, maybe not Don. I think he's uh. as <laughs> he made the, the worst refs list. Maybe they won't want him. Uh, no, we love Coho. Whoever it is, let's have the ref that's in the room come on and say the situation room determined that Nylander was shoved in. He didn't make a sufficient attempt to vacate the crease, and that's what left him in there, which prevented Hellbuck from playing his position. That type of thing with the camera on the situation room. Uh, let's let's be transparent and, and let them convey why the goal was not allowed and, and stop guessing or stop having folks get frustrated because citing the rule isn't enough. There's too many components. Let's, let's let the room do the work here. Scouting the rest podcast, solving problems once again. <laughs> Get in the box. It's the Scouting the Refs podcast. Read more at scoutingtherefs.com. Follow Scouting the Refs on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Email the show at heyref at scoutingtherefs.com. You're good, my Subscribe, share, and keep those sticks down. That's good play.